Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by GetX. GetX features a full line of dial-in markers, burnout guard, and paint protection, and recently has introduced their brand new racetrack-approved hand sanitizer. Find all your GetX products at your favorite retailer, Jeg, Summit, etc., for your dial-in paint protection and now personal germ protection needs. GetX has you covered. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 45, and it is the first week of June 2020. Uh, 2020 is literally the worst year of the century. It is... It simply seemingly never stops with the madness. Uh, As you know, we were off last week. Some of us took a little time off to celebrate Memorial Day. And honestly, I thought when we came back with you guys and girls this week, I thought, hey, um, we're going to have some good stuff. We're going to be on the upswing. We can start putting some of the garbage of the spring of 2020 behind us, and off we go. Bah, not so fast. Then the riot started, and it's bad, man. It is very, very bad. I think this is day seven of the protest er, riots. Uh, right. Uh, don't let anyone tell you these are peaceful protests because they are not. Um, as you know, we record in downtown Indianapolis. Downtown Indy right now looks like a war zone. Uh, it is. Every single building is boarded up because it's been destroyed. There are literally trucks, dump trucks. There were city trucks that were somehow here for some reason. Windows broken out of them, destroyed. It looks like a video game when aftermath of a war area. It is awful. Um, I don't understand what the exact point of all that was. But it uh, wasn't good. And let it be known, from my standpoint, this is not a white or black thing. This is a pro-civilization versus anti-civilization thing at this point. Either you want things to get better or you want the world to be burned and torn apart. And there isn't much room for anything in between right now. So I have started this segment the last couple months here, listing all the catastrophic craziness that has come at us, mostly as a joke. Um, not because any of these issues are necessarily funny, but because humor is the way I deal with things. Um, plus, if you're Facebook friends with me, you know I've got enough real fireworks already, so um, I try to keep it light. But uh, we've talked about the Rona, and we've talked about aliens, volcanoes, and murder hornets, and the newly discovered parallel universe But damn it, 2020, I am tired of your mess right now. These riots are out of control. This is not how things get solved. And at this point, I'm actually kind of sick of joking about all this craziness. I just want to get back to talking racing, some normalcy in this disturbing world. You know what? So that's what we're going to do today. We have two unbelievable guests this week. We have Jimmy Jimmy Sakovich. He is a top dragster standout, Mr. 240. And then we have Brent Carver. He is your Outlaw Streetcar Association director. And uh, I cannot wait to have them on. So let's get to it. Get to doing whatever it is that you do while you're listening to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on the heap. And now finally, maybe listen to this as we're driving to the track. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. Let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. Uh, Guys, girls, I am so sick of talking about all the problems that that have just come at us this year. Uh, But there is absolutely no way of getting around this one. 
This past week saw some of the most far-reaching protests and riots the country has ever seen over racial tensions. It's a destruction like we've never seen before in terms of almost every major city in the country had massive structural damage done by the rioters. Uh, Make no mistake, this is going to cause economic destruction to a tremendous level, and it doesn't help anyone's cause ultimately. Um, If there's a good thing in all this for us, it's that racetracks were largely unaffected. There will be much less desire, in my humble opinion, to be in the large public gatherings like bars and indoor sporting events, uh, which has all the fans stacked together moving forward. So as we've kind of talked about before, I think there is an opportunity for some of the mid-sized racetracks to take advantage, uh, put on really good shows, make it a good fan experience, and draw some fans, socially distanced, of course, that otherwise might not have come to a track. Um, additionally, we're going to find out next week just how serious the Rona is to the Gen Pop uh, because absolutely no rioters were social distancing. So if if there isn't a huge flame-up of the Rona, then I think we're in the clear, or at least we have moved past the serious danger zone, which I'm rooting for, uh, even though it means that we were publicly duped again by our worthless government's uh, leaders. Uh, But but it did make me realize this, um, and it made me realize what I value, what's important to me, and what I would miss if the world burned to the ground. And it's this. I think it's for me, I've always really enjoyed sports and competition. And I think the reason is this. The competition itself doesn't care about your race, doesn't care about your background, or how you're feeling that day. All it cares about is the scoreboard. That's it. And no one cares, um, you know, if you were feeling good that day, or if you you weren't on your game, whatever, all the scoreboard cares about was did you succeed or did you not? And I think that's why largely no one cares what race you are within the sport. Nobody cares if you're black, white, whatever, purple, green, etc., or in sports in general because there is the scoreboard. Uh, so if you're here at the track, you're my brother and sister. That's it. We're enjoying the same environment, the same struggles, the same cries of victory. And it does not matter what color you are, what nationality you are, or what hair color you have. And likely, sports has done more for to break down these uh, racial barriers than any other process or platform ever. Um, everybody's there for the same reason and gains a respect for that other person because we all know that the scoreboard says it all. That's it. Show up, compete, and let's figure it out. I've always loved that about competition. The playing field was even at the start. Now, now the preparation isn't even, so don't complain if your stuff isn't as well prepared as the other guy. Uh, but the time for crying was well before you showed up at the track. And that's really life. There is scoreboard and not much else. Uh, I certainly can sympathize with people of color and how at times they can be marginalized. Uh, That being said, if you show up at the track and all you do is worry and complain about everyone else having better equipment than you, you stand no chance. Uh, And I didn't come from privilege. Uh, So that word always kind of makes me laugh. Um, Certainly had it better than some, but the word privilege does not fit fit the bill here with me. Um, And that's why I've always loved competition in sports. I've always loved that the scoreboard determines if I had a good day or not. And we get to settle who's best that day instead of someone else determining if I had a good day or not. No one else gets to make that judgment except me about me. The only judgment comes from the scoreboard. And truthfully, I've always felt a little sorry for people who never get in that environment where your skin doesn't matter, your sex or your race doesn't matter, and nothing else matters except the scoreboard. I mean, I truly feel sorry for them because it is a liberating thing. It's a great thing, and it's a good feeling to know that you handled it. Um, and these are certainly trying times. So we all want to be as compassionate as we can, um, and we want to be as focused as we can where we need to be. 
and enjoy the scoreboard when we see it again next. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. On with us now, and I should say this, this is presented by thisisbracketracing.com. On with us now. He came on episode number six, uh, number six early. So if you have not listened to episode number six and heard our man, stop what you're doing right now. Go back to episode number six. Listen, get the backstory, and now this will all make much more sense moving forward here. But he is a former junior dragster champion. He is a now a top dragster standout, currently running in NHRA Division Five in the Midwest Pro Mod Series. He is Mister Two Forty, the Iceman, Jimmy Sakovich. Jimmy, how are you today, my man? Not too bad. Yourself? Living the dream, baby. Living the dream. Um, and you know, welcome back, man. Um, uh, really appreciate you coming back to talk with us a little bit. And we're gonna we're gonna find out if that Iceman helmet still fits. And if you really are the best of the best, the tip of the spear. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come on again. Um, it's just a very hot day here in western Missouri. And uh, it was either this or water flowers because they're drying out so fast. So. <laughs> well, good. We we made the bump then is what you're telling me. Yeah, <laughs> of course. The endless list of honeydews. That's right. Sure. That's right. Uh, well, why don't you catch us up on uh, how your season went last year? Because you came on about this time last year. And uh, so give us kind of a overview of how your season um, went on and finished up last year. Well, uh, pretty much all the beginner's luck dried up from the awesome top five and division five that we had the year before. Uh, pretty much fought driver errors all season whether it be I'd leave the car in second when I'm going into the beams or whatever, just kind of dumb luck that happened. And But we we muscled together a few round wins, and I think every time you go down a racetrack in a car such as this one, you learn a little bit more every time. So, Yeah, stuff that we've all been through, right? We've all want to kick ourselves, but I think as a racer that just – is part of the process, you know. You you absolutely uh, make the mistakes. What do the What do the Philadelphia seventy sixers say? Trust the process. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't you have a shocker on the Sixers still, or is that not right? No, I think okay. we discussed this last episode. Actually, he's on the. Clippers. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. I don't yeah. know why I think uh, Shamit is still on the Sixers. But anyway, you're right. It trusts the process, and you're going through it. And your car goes 240 miles an hour. So there are lots of things that uh, can go wrong and, you know, sometimes do, really. Um, Murphy's the, Law, man. <laughs> there's no doubt. Um, so you, so you kind of went through that season. You, you duked it out, made yourself better. Um, is yeah. there anything that you did to the car um, over the winter that you said, okay, this might help make it a little more consistent? Or, uh, well, I uh, swallowed my pride and asked for some blocks underneath my feet for the pedals. Okay. <laughs> um, the way most of these chassis builders make their pedals is kind of a universal fit. Yep. But I usually wear a really thin driving shoe and – uh, had it to where my foot wouldn't hit the tow hook. So we raised that up about an inch, inch and a quarter. And that made all the difference in the world, just instant throttle response now. So, um, but other than that, pretty much the biggest thing that I changed was, uh, driving gloves. I, I went from a certain brand to another certain brand. And, uh, as I found out in Dallas, seems to be uh, much more consistent on the tree for me. So I think they're going to hang around for a while. It's it's interesting, right? And most people would have no idea about this, but when we're talking about wins and losses in thousands of a second, things like having the toe hook in the right place, having the right pair of gloves are really important. And people outside of racing would have no idea about that. I mean, because they go, you've got to be kidding. The gloves are the difference maker. But when we're talking about razor thin differences between margins of victory, all of it adds up. You never think there would be such an art to letting go of a big red button. You know? <laughs> right. 
there's there's no doubt about that. Um, People make a living with their right thumb. That's right. They they absolutely do. And um, yeah, that's that's really good stuff. So you're just fine tuning essentially over the the winter. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and like I mean, there's not much to change on this um, setup. You know, everything has worked well while we've had it. I think the only thing really to fine tune was uh, in between the ears for me and, you know, a couple odds and ends around the car. Uh, we made the the blow off pipes straight out instead of kind of up at an angle. So that way we can get the valve covers off easier, just kind yeah. of ease of access kind of things. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. And that's all that goes into that stuff of just uh, making it just a tad easier at the track that uh I get, I get all that stuff that's that's good yeah. um and and you I, I think you have a unique um viewpoint of this because you do really race two um, you race quarter mile quite a bit and you're going 240 miles with that an hour because you guys really ramp it in on the back end and then you also run eighth mile stuff talk yeah. to us a little bit about um maybe which you like better and um you know what what differences you you have when you line up compared to an eighth mile or quarter mile? Well, it's hard to pick a favorite, but, um, you know, I think, uh, my dad told me in junior dragsters that chicks usually dig the lower number on the scoreboard. Um, <laughs> right. So I think the quarter mile makes that look a little bit more impressive, but I think they're both you know, they have their own challenges. Uh, eighth mile, you know, I think NHRA is, it's a 370 uh, low ET now. So it's more or less a, a run what you brung. I mean, we've been a 73 with it at 200 in the eighth. And is that, so is that the same tune-up as your quarter mile? Or are you really ramping no, it in? No, yeah, no, you're bringing it in, right? That's like a 570 or a 560 in the quarter. Yeah. Yeah, you're bringing it in pretty early to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and that was actually a very, very calm tune-up. That that only went 989, 60 foot, I believe, oh, okay. when it did that. Okay. Um, it's a, eighth miles, a driver's race. I think anybody who understands bracket racing would understand that, you know, there's a lot less room for error with 660 feet instead of 1320. Um, I catch them right around the mile an hour cone, same as quarter mile. Uh, quarter mile, I found that the dial-in's more important than I think the eighth mile is. I, I, I guess it just, once again, uh, you're talking six seconds instead of three and three quarters. Right. So, you know, as long as you can stay throughout that longer duration, you know, your total time, you should be in good shape. Uh, the only bad thing about quarter mile is obviously there's a there's a speed limit now, so can't really can't really go as quick as we think the car could run. Obviously, for our safety and. But I kind of I kind of missed the six O because it was it was fun to chase guys from three hundred feet behind. Right. Yeah. And it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it, to have a uh, speed limit on a drag strip? Yeah. I I mean I get it. It's for our safety, but at the same time, we we all know that these cars can go way faster. It's the same deal in super comp and super gas. Yeah, right. I mean, that's uh, the whole point is to make it competitive at the end and and go from there. Well, that's uh, that's interesting, and that's your plan, right? To run uh, both um, as the season goes on, right? NHRA Division Five, I think, and then Midwest Pro Mod Series. Well, I mean, Midwest Pro Mod will probably be uh, the the main series that we run, okay? Just because the rig's there, and all I got to do is throw the dragster in the trailer, right? Um, maybe a few NHR divisionals. We, we love Topeka since it's only 90 miles from our house. So we may try to hit up that double. Uh -huh. 
um, maybe a couple of national events. Um, I mean, if I were to pick one, it'd be Topeka once again, hometown sure. racetrack, yeah. um, went and watched force and all them drive there back in the day, you know, getting off of school that Friday and driving out there. So I think there's a little bit of unfinished business because if I could choose a place to win a national or a divisional event, it'd probably be there. Yeah, I mean, it's your home track, right? Yeah, well, we had Kansas City International Raceway way back in the day, and that was sold to the city and now is in an equestrian park, of all things. I don't like any of that. Um, I, I'm not a fan of that. You and me but, both, brother. Jeez, uh, um, what is going on here? Um, I, I, I can just see some bureaucrat sitting in an office, some county building somewhere going, well, it's both horsepower, right? It's fine. Horses. Yeah, that's fine. Make it, make the call. I can just see that happening. Um, and the, the sad thing was that was the only drag strip in the state of Missouri under NHRA's umbrella. Mm. I know there's us 36 and Mocan dragway and, um, Bethany even, up north of us but under the nhra umbrella that was kind of all we had in the missouri part part of the country you know i i mean even guys from kansas and colorado came and some even came up from arkansas every weekend and and raced with us it was just a special place yeah and there's a there's a really good story if if we have time let's do it some other some other day or uh, I guess we got time now. Uh, there's, I, I refer to it fondly as the test. And it was when Alan Abbey was still, you know, the, the, the brute force and pro nitrous. Yep. And they were at, at an unnamed racetrack and they couldn't get down. And finally, I believe it was Ricky Smith called and said, Hey, could, could you guys get Kansas city open and we'll be there in five hours. <laughs> and I could, if I could only be a fly on the wall to, to witness, you know, the best pro mod team on earth coming there to test for an afternoon. Right. That, that would be insane. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that's what is largely lost when we think back about people that are, the best or really, really good. And historically speaking is that that that's what their mindset was, right? Like, Hey, I've got a problem. I got to figure this thing out. And if yeah. it means driving five hours one way and begging somebody just so I can make another hit, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, let me ask I think you. also our, our sports missing, you know, characters like that, that just will not give in. Right. And that's, I, I mean, I've always prided myself on, I won't give up until they shut me off. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, um, so you're a Wichita state shocker, you're a mechanical engineer, um, in training, correct? Yes, sir. And so all this stuff has kind of changed things here a little bit. What talk to us a little about what your college did you do everything online then is that what you guys did to yeah uh, we went we went online only after march 30th and they pretty quickly said that's going to be how it is for the rest of the semester and the summer semester okay so we will head back in our normal time in the fall oh, okay and we no longer have a two-week fall break or two two-day fall break in like early October. So now they're going to give us the whole week off of Thanksgiving because we usually only got that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh -huh. off. Yep. So now they give us that whole week of Thanksgiving and then we're done with in-person classes for the semester and move to online past Thanksgiving till around PRI time, which I will make sure I get my work done and I spend, <laughs> spend, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday up there at PRI. Right. I've never got to go, you know, for the whole shebang. So Yeah, it's great stuff. It really truly is. So yeah, get your homework done. 
uh, early absolutely and, and make that happen yeah that's that's good stuff yeah it, it sounds like they're preparing for the second wave i guess is what they're doing with all that stuff. and yeah hopefully they even have a pri i mean that's quite a quite a big i mean at any given time there's twenty thousand people in that building yeah it's the largest um convention in the city of Indianapolis, um, and nobody yeah. knows that, uh, but it, the, I think the last year they had 55,000 people, and the, I always joke with the people here in India, and I say, well, the reason why you don't know that is because the FFA kids come, and they're all wearing the same jacket. You know, the firemen come, and they're all wearing firefighter outfits or whatever, but drag racers are just, you know, we're all repping our own stuff and wearing casual clothes. So we kind of blend in a little bit more, but yeah, it's the, it's the largest convention in the city of Indianapolis. And I think that is, um, it's reasonable to think that there could be some concerns with it. Yeah. And, and another thing is like the NFL and NBA, you know, it, will they be able to have fans at that time? Crazy times, brother. Thinking- I was thinking, like, man, I could go to a Pacers game that week and everything else. And I was like, oh, whoa, 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 slow down, you know. <laughs> well, as you're um, as you're kind of dealing with all this stuff that's being thrown at you as a college kid, um, is there somebody that you kind of look up to and you kind of think in, in the racing world that where you go, that that's kind of what I want to emulate. So as these times are tough, I'm I'm kind of leaning for guidance in that way. Well, I mean, there's a host of people. Um, my dad, you know, obviously is a great driver in his own right. And, you know, I, I kind of have always been his little shadow. And, you know, I, I mean, maybe one day I'd be driving a pro, pro mod car for him or uh, teammates with him or whatever. I mean, we're, we're teammates as it is. But, you know, I... That I think pro mod or top fuel or something like that would be like a, the the biggest pinnacle for me, just to even enter an event, you know, on the on the national touring series. Sure. Uh, Jake Coughlin, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting him, uh, junior, obviously, but he's you know probably the most complete racer of his generation and probably any generation. Yeah. I mean, who else can win a Wally in pro stock one weekend and then win one in super comp the next weekend? You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable and a good dude, you know, like on yes, top of it. I agree. Then, that, that combination I think is rough. Like to be fair, if I was that good, I wouldn't be that much fun to be around. I'd be pretty <laughs> cocky about it all, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he is a salt. He is a, he is a good dude. And, it's going to be sad to see him hang it up in pro stock at the end of this year. Maybe he might go one more since this all deal is going right. on. Yeah, let's cross our fingers, huh? Yeah. Um, Ricky Smith, you know, that once again, that never say die attitude and, you know, tricky Ricky, obviously there's few like him. Uh, Jose Gonzalez, I call him the goat. I mean, he he is one of the best pro mod drivers I've ever seen. Um, he's always Johnny on the spot with the parachutes if the car gets out of shape. Yep. Um, you know the Meyer sisters. I grew up racing junior dragsters against them, and we kind of went our own ways. And now we're kind of meeting up at races again. <laughs> They're awesome. They're they're really awesome and uh so if you wanna say I wanna emulate something, obviously I can't be a twenty something year old girl. <laughs> but I don't know. Today's world you can be anything, brother. I won't get I won't get <laughs> into that. But obviously they're they're the the standard of what you should represent yourself as. Um but I mean I've followed all sorts of racing uh, divisions through my life. And I think the one that really stands, stands out is, uh, Fernando Alonso, um, formula one driver. He actually owns Kimoa, the apparel company that I'm a brand ambassador for. Oh, okay. And yeah, he's, uh, I've never had the chance to meet him, but you know, I've, I've always used to see that, 
baby blue and yellow car on TV, and I knew it was him always in the winter, always on the podium. And, yeah, I, I want to be, you know, the best at what I do, and I think he he exemplifies that. Yeah, no no doubt. Um, well, that that's really good stuff. I mean, I think we all have to have somebody to kind of – give us a little guiding light here in these troubling times. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff. Uh, before I let you go, let me ask you this. Uh, what's your daily driver? Oh my, uh, Chevrolet Colorado ZR2. Okay. The yeah. factory lifted one with the little bit wider off-road uh, tires and everything. I like that. Yeah, I do like that. I look, I eyeballed one of those up pretty good the other day, but, uh, when was the last time you've been over 100 miles an hour in a streetcar on the street? I've always had cars that weren't really capable of doing that. Yeah. It's um, my first car was a Chevrolet Cobalt, and maybe I went like 105 in it one day. But <laughs> I think, and my my friends always ask me this, like, why why do you drive like a grandma sometimes? Right. And it's like, do you know what I do for a living? <laughs> right. Like I've, I mean, I get in, you know, my mom's suburban to go pick up a prescription or something and I'll look down and I'm going 70 and it feels like it's, you know, 60 or 45, you know what I mean? Well, and that's exactly why I ask you because I don't tend to have a, a lead foot and I was trying to figure out the other day whether it's because i'm getting old or if it's because when it's time i've got a tool specifically for that and, yeah, and so that's I, why i ask you i think we get it out at the racetrack i really do now some people just print speeding tickets i, I know <laughs> racers that that just print them but i'm not one of those people <laughs> Well, stay to it. Uh, spoken like a guy whose insurance agent is listening, um, much like mine is. So, um, Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, really fun to have you on again. Wish you the best of luck uh, the rest of this year. And uh, I, I think I'll see you here pretty soon in St. Louis. Yeah, it's on, brother. I'll be there. All right. That was the Jimmy Sakovich again um, uh, coming back after episode number six. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Hey, we actually have some action to report this week, which is great news um, that, you know, we've had some issues with uh, actually having races report. So here is some good news. Um, the PDRA got their season started in a big way last weekend. Let's give Tyler Crossno and the crew a big hand for getting this thing done. This was not an easy task to pull off. There was rain. There was a state Gestapo. There was all kinds of stuff they had to deal with, and they got it done. So nicely done for uh, Tyler, the PDRA crew, and getting in the East Coast Nationals down there. Um, on the top sportsman side, there were 71 cars on the property. I mean, that is absolutely awesome and 70 of those 71 ran in the fours so we had bad fast machines all over the property and the baddest in the land your number one qualifier and top sportsman elite is john benoit in his 959 cubic inch 2017 camaro he goes an easy 381.0 at 199 miles an hour in the eighth mile um that Top Sportsman Elite was a great class. The bump spot was held by Don Rudd. He goes 405 at 177. Ultimately, Cheyenne Stanley gets the win over Buddy Perkinson. Cheyenne is 16-1 over, and that mathematically DQs Buddy Perkinson in the final. So uh, that was a that was a nice pass in the final for Cheyenne. Um, and Cheyenne takes the first PDRA trophy and cash home to what is widely considered the fastest neighborhood in the country in Cincinnati, Kentucky. So congrats to Cheyenne Stanley for that win on the elite top sportsman side. On the top sportsman 48, which is the next 48, so think about that, 64 cars total, and the bump spot was for essentially 470. 
So if you're trying to think about, hey, do I want to step my game up? Do I want to make the haul to a PDR event? Anything less than 470 likely gets you in the show. Um, at least it does for now. Um, but your number one qualifier on the top Sportsman 48 was Ken Ellison. He goes 4053 at 175 miles an hour. And your winner was Jeff uh, Telraccio in, in his 02 Camaro. He's got a 632 in that. And he wins over Chris Nigers and his 2000 Firebird is 740 cubic inches in that dude. Um, and Telatro was nasty. He was 003, two above to win that victory. Um, and Nigers, give him credit, he starts his title defense out strong. He was last year's champ in this category and goes to the final to start this season. Um, on the top dragster side, there were 62 dragsters that showed up. 61 of those were in the fours. And the baddest, the fastest one on the property, Jody Stroud goes number one. He goes 3.678 at 200 miles per hour. The bump for the top dragster elite was 4.03. Um, and they are sneaking up there on an all three-second field, uh, which is awesome. Um, and your winner was Steve Furr over Chase Salance. Chase was a little later than he wanted, and you know you just can't give Steve Furr that opening. Um, so Steve Furr goes from the sixth qualifying position and uh, dials a three eighty three in the finals. Whew. Uh, congrats to Steve Furr for getting the first win in Top Dragster Elite this year. On the Top Dragster forty eight side, um, and I mentioned that they had uh, sixty two cars. So in order sixteen plus forty eight is sixty four. So they were too short and. I banged on this earlier, and I don't think Tyler was listening, but I will tell you this. It's important because they gave a bye to two cars in the first round, so the latter was even the rest of the event. So I'm a big, big fan of that. I think that is absolutely the way to do it. Um, and your number one qualifier in that uh, field is was Lauren Freer. She goes 4.035 at 175 miles an hour. Think about that. A 403 didn't make the elite field. Yikes, that thing is getting blistering fast. So nicely done for all the elite folks and Lauren for taking number uh, number one spot in the ladder that way. Your winner was Barry Brown over Kendall Payne in, the, in what was it? Absolutely a great final round. Barry Brown is 19 dead two on his 477 dial. And Kendall Payne is 14 one above in his... 457 dial so margin of victory is two thou at the stripe and an absolutely fantastic final so congrats to barry brown on his top dragster 48 pdra win and then the nhra is actually going to get going this week so next week we'll bring you results from two nhra lucas oil drag racing series events that happen this weekend division two gets going in atlanta division four gets it on in tulsa so be safe to all of you guys that are traveling and competing in those events. Um, so we will have those re- results for you next week on the Fast Brackets Podcast. Whoa, let's get out of the groove and uh, talk a little bit about uh, racetracks in general. We've had some sad news this week. Uh, one track will not be making taking advantage of the opportunity and that is Summit Motorsports Park, as Bill Bader made the tough decision to close the track for the remainder of the year. Uh, He's a linchpin in the track ownership game, so if he thinks that's best for the track long-term, I tend to believe him. That being said, I don't like it in the fact that I was really hoping that all tracks would have a big second half of the year and try to recruit some of the early season expenses. Uh, Now, more than ever... We've got to support the tracks that support you. They need it, and quite frankly, we need the break from reality. Uh, We could all use a little getaway from life so we can just go racing. Um, And, for instance, there are some tracks that are doing their part. Um, I'll give you Bandmere Speedway to start. Um, Check the Facebook and Twitter pages of the Fast Brackets podcast um, and also Bandmere Speedway account here. The Flyers are coming out soon about the biggest payday in top sportsmen and top dragster history. Twenty grand a win each on each side of it, and that is really, really good stuff. So um, support them if 
you're able. Um, also, there's some other uh, places that are doing some really good stuff. So, in fact, Kill Care Raceway in Xenia, Ohio, is having a quick 16 race in their series this year. Their first event is this weekend. That's a really good series to run if you're in the Midwest and you are a fast bracket racer. Um, and then the big news this week, Kyle Riley from SFG Promotions just announced that he will add what is essentially top sportsman and top dragster categories to the $1.1 million race at Martin Mission again, June 29th to July 5th. So um, you have to go, we'll, we'll give you more details about that, but essentially it's a top sportsman, top dragster race, and then you get entered into the remainder of the field. So you have a chance as a top dragster and top sportsman car to to really go against your own for a while, get some big money, and then have a chance at the end to get that $1.1 million prize, which is which is great, great news. So uh, we'll we'll talk more about that as this thing goes on through the rest of the month. But uh, that, that was big news. Um, so there's really some ups and downs with all this stuff. Um, let's hang in there because uh, there are some real things to be optimi- optimistic about, um, and and that's good for all of us. As we hit the mile per hour cone, um, we're going to bring on a guy who is, A, the driver of the deadliest Pinto I've ever seen. Wait, I shouldn't say that. Hold on. Let me rename that. Uh, I should say that's just a really good drag race car. Um, he's also the director of the outlaw streetcar association and i and a guy that i know for a fact can run very very fast with a fire extinguisher in his hands welcome to the show brent carver how's it going rexy (laughs) good man good man thanks for joining us today um i appreciate you having me on yeah you um you run the series the outlaw streetcar association series that i've run the past and really really came to appreciate but uh let's go back uh how'd you get into this sport of drag racing well uh my dad was a uh he's been a car guy and probably did a lot of uh racing uh both uh, on and off the track uh way back in the day and building cars out of the local junkyards back in the 50s and 60s and um i just inherited it we grew up with a stock car in the uh in the garage and so uh we did uh what everybody likes to aff- affectionately refer to as roundy round racing when i was growing up <laughs> sure and uh but as as we've all uh matured you know the the uh, logical thing is to go uh straight um you tear up a lot less things and uh and you get the thrill of speed and and all yes. those kind of things. So I, I grew up around cars. We painted cars. We've built cars, and and uh, it's just what we've been around all our life. So uh, I guess that's kind of where it started out. I had a slow car back in high school and made the most of it. And everybody thought it was fast because I like to figure out how to make it do a burnout. <laughs> there you go. It's a uh, you know that's that's half the battle though, and really half the fun, right? I mean, the burnouts are so oh, doing fun. the bur- oh yeah. So I figured out and see I can give everybody a tip right now. I had a 77 T-Bird in high school, and it had, I think, I think it had a whopping 130 horsepower 302 in it. Right. Um, if you if you pull it onto the leading edge of a speed bump, <laughs> that speed bump will give you just enough resistance where you can get the tire one tire spinning, and it'll look pretty impressive. Oh, that's awesome. You gotta you gotta fool them, man. You gotta fool them if you can. If you hey, if you drive crazy enough, people will think your car is fast. So that's, that's right. what I did. No, oh, I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> so it's at some point though, you went from um, visual effects, shall we say, to uh, you know the management side of drag racing. Uh, talk to us about right. that transition. Well, uh, it, it kind of happened out of chance. Uh, I had been I raced for probably nine years or so with pro media with the NMRA and NMCA side of it. Um, and I can go back a little bit further than that. My dad grew up with, uh, racing in the same neighborhood and everything else with Don Bowles. A lot of people know who that is mm-hmm. Kentucky Motorsports hall of famer and all those good things. And, and one of Jack Roush's best friends. So they went their separate ways. Don kept drag racing and my dad circle track raced. Well, about 12 years ago, um, my dad retired and he moved close to Don again. They ran into each other in the store and 
the rest they say could be history right there. They started hanging out, and Dad started going with him to the races. And uh, my dad cannot be around things very much before he has to have one. So uh, he followed with the car, and then after I drove his about one time, then I had to have one, and there we went. Um, so we raced with NMRA and MCA, and uh, the, the the expense of doing something like that and life changes um, made us have to kind of, well, at least made me have to stay a little closer to home. It's it's very expensive to do a series like that when you're you know, six, seven, eight hundred miles away and four day events and all those kind of things. Uh, and that's about when uh, the OSCA came back to light. I think it was at the end of 2013. And uh, it's regional to me. And I found out about it and I'm like, heck, they've got open comp. I'm going to go race with OSCA. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did that in 2014 through 2017, uh, won a couple championships. Uh, but I also thought I, I had this urge that I thought, you know, when you go to a race and you hear the announcer, there's some really good ones. And then there's some that are uh, not quite as exciting. Sure. And I said, you know what? I have a background in entertainment. My college was with music and things like that. Um, so I think it might be cool to uh, uh, be in announcing uh, for something that I, have at least a reasonable amount of knowledge of and can bring a little flair. So sure. I got an opportunity to start that. And um, that sort of immediately coupled with the experience with organization through those previous series, um, it sort of naturally happened in 2017 at Evansville. Um, they asked God's uh, country, Lancaster, please, Brent, God's country. The, God's country. (laughs) God's country. That's right. Uh, Jason Lancaster made a post that um, they needed an announcer. They were going to try to get Evansville reopened that year. And um, I had done it a couple times, and people said, hey, get Brent Carver. He's really good. And I'm going, okay. And uh, the first night of of assisting that deal and and seeing how everything worked, and he said uh, about halfway through the night, I need you to do this all the time. (laughs) Um, Because I sort of just – took over with trying to keep things moving because we all know we've all been to those tracks and those events where it just seems like it's deathly slow moving. Yes. And uh, I just got up there and I said, I'm just calling to the lanes and beating on them and, and keeping things lively. And everybody responded to it. And we started getting done earlier and earlier and, and all those things. The first night I did it, the guy said, I think you did a really good job, but uh, if I have one complaint, I said, what's that? He said, I think things are running too fast. <laughs> and I said, I, I seriously, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, buddy, I bet you're the only person on the property that thinks this program is running too fast. Right. Because um, right. you, you don't get told that very often. It's usually, why is everything so slow? Right. Um, and uh, so it kind of went from there. Um, I raced the rest of that year, and then I was on a, a couple of trips with uh, Jason, who was the previous operator of the series, and uh, we were uh, traveling around to the No Prep Kings races that he was running a few of them, and he kept saying, "I just don't have time. I, I you know, I, I need to, I need to do something different. You need to take over OSCA." And I'm going. I don't even know what that means, um, but but uh, let's talk about it. And so uh, the reins came over to me, and uh, we we took over in eighteen. And uh, you know, I have a I have a very good partner in this deal, and that is my wife. So you know my wife, and and she worked for oh, she's the brains. Media. She's the brains yeah. of this thing. We well, know she's also the looks, right? Um, <laughs> She she worked for ProMedia for 15 years uh, that, that is in MRA and MCA. So she had been around this sport longer than me probably when it came to the mm. internal workings of an event. Right. Uh, so that, again, sort of seemed like a, a perfect a perfect storm there to have a, uh, a spouse that is knowledgeable and was – a little hesitant, but willing to get involved because uh, she knew what it was going to take to do it. 
and uh, and she is she's extremely organized. So like when you go to you show up at the track, everything the registration yeah. goes smoothly, and that, that's a big well. Deal. She yeah she she's a she's a worker. Uh, anybody that's met her or been around her, she doesn't ever stop. Um, she's uh, uh, you know obviously in uh, uh, very good physical condition. So, you know, she, she works circles around the rest of us. You turn around and everything's already done. You're like, what happened to all the stuff? Well, I've already put it all away. Um, so, uh, but she knows what she's doing. Yes. She's organized. She does the paperwork. She gets it all done. And, uh, I promise none of it can happen, uh, without her assistance on that. And then I have another friend, Tony, that, um, he uh, was traveling with my mom and dad to the races and has been around us for years and around the Roush crew and stuff. And, and so he's got a lot of experience, and we he's jumped right in with uh, both feet, too, to help us out. So, you know, we we break our necks to make sure that everything goes as, as smoothly as possible, and every time it doesn't, and we try to learn from that, and we try to make it better each time, so... Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what classes you run in the OSCA and what tracks you run at typically. Sure. So, uh, we are, we try to prepare ourselves for a seven race series, uh, traveling in the, within the region. So I live uh, just outside of Evansville. We have a lot of racers from Southern Indiana, all the way up into Indiana, Southern Illinois and Kentucky. So we, you know, I try to be very careful to not make anybody drive more than, you know, a couple hundred miles in any direction. Uh, so that's always a challenge. Um, but, uh, we, we ran all seven races last year. We had 12 class champions last year. Um, and then uh, we scheduled seven again this year, but we all know what's happened with this spring. Mm. So our first race this year, official race is july 4th weekend and that is at kentucky dragway out in clay city okay uh, if any, if nobody's ever been there or if you haven't been there southeast of lexington about maybe 30 minutes outside of lexington uh and aaron sipple and the crew there has just been this is their second year with the facility and he's been putting in the time and the effort to make that place pretty nice so um i know kurt johnson was there last week working on the transition and scraping and trying to get the uh, surface as good as it could be. So uh, that was our first year last year, and we returned there this year. Uh, We follow that up. We're going with a new track this year that I've never been to. I won't call it a new track, but we're going to Kill Care up in Xenia, Ohio. Uh, That is August 8th weekend, and then we go to uh, Hardensburg, our, our favorite little uh, little track, uh, Hardensburg, Kentucky, US 60. I have a love-hate is... relationship with that track. Right? <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> right. Why would that be, Rex? Right. Go on. <laughs> go on. Uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll stay off that subject. Uh, so that is September 5th and 6th. That is a Saturday and a Sunday. And what we were going to do was a regular points race on Saturday and then just keep the track for Sunday and try to do some fun, little bit different things. Uh, with the loss of the two races earlier this year, we were supposed to open Indy, uh, and that one got moved. Um, so uh, with the loss of those, what I'm considering, ooh, breaking news. Do you like breaking news? I man? love it. Breaking, breaking news right here on the Fast Brackets podcast. Uh, what I'm thinking of doing is making that a two-day race and doing a, a entire race on Saturday and then run them back, as J.J. likes to say. We'll run them back and we'll run the same race on Sunday yeah. uh, and make it a double a double event. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's it's at least going through my head. Yeah, and what, um, and what classes do you run? Because you, you guys run some pro mods and then what else do you yep. run? We, so we, we've run, uh, we tried to kind of trim back the, what we called run what you brung and made it pro mod this year. Um, but we run pro street, which is awesome. Those cars are 450, 460 door cars. Uh, we are running top sportsman this year. We're running top dragster this year. We run open comp. We run three indexes. We run a 570, a 650 and a 750 index. Mm-hmm. Uh, we run a small tire, no time class. And then we run, uh, I kind of, went off the 
what some things that are going on. And I did a what I call limited small tire, and it's a 535 index, but on a small tire with no bars. So kind of like your grudge car, but that way somebody doesn't come in and just run over the what I would call a, a fast right. small tire car, um, but maybe not the you know four second kind of variety. Um, and then we do juniors. Uh, I decided that it'd be cool to do juniors, but do them open comp style. Uh, and they have really taken to that. We had 24 juniors at our last race last year. Um, and then we have a couple of street car classes for your just average drove it in the gate kind of street car. Yeah. You I go, think that covers them all. You, you've got essentially, essentially a class for every car on, you know, that you have. And what we yeah. obviously like, and we want to talk a little bit now is sure. about adding top sportsman and top dragster, because that was not on your agenda last year, but it is this year. Right. So what, what, you know, I was trying to figure out, and, and this just goes back to what my feelings were that as these smaller tracks are, have not been opening or have been cut back, or we've lost some tracks, you know, that they're just not around. I'm going, you know, there's a lot of guys and gals with dragsters and quick door cars and stuff that may not really have anywhere else to race uh, that maybe their local track has gone away, Uh, especially here in southern Indiana, you know, where we don't have anything to run. Um, So there's a lot of those kind of cars around that I was trying to figure out how can we include them in uh in our style of race uh so last year and the year before we uh, started out doing a 450 index class that was dragsters and door cars and anything that wanted to run it um what i've what i've yet to figure out is a sweet spot if you wanted to call it that for a heads up type index but what makes the most sense to get the fast cars because top sportsman and top dragster, I mean, these cars are fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, high threes, low fours kind of cars. Um, but it's very difficult, I think, still as a as a organizer um, to figure out a rule set that can have that kind of car literally running heads up. Yeah. I don't know where that is. You know, uh, you you get rid of the uh, you get rid of the body. You know, you got to be steel cores. Well, that's going to knock half those cars out, and and you hate to not have four second, four o kind of door cars at your race. I mean, what's that's exciting. Yeah. Um. So to be able to you know run those cars, um, equally, uh, so that they all have a chance, so you can have a four thirty car and a four o car and a four fifty car, um, all compete. They still leave close enough together. That I think for a fan in the stands, it, it, it still is pretty darn close to heads up racing, but it evens that field out and it offers us the opportunity to give something to a class like Top Sportsman and Top Dragster where they may not have really had a place to race with us and particularly outside of going to a big NHRA event. Yeah. And again, you know what those cost? Uh, you know, the payouts mm, questionable um, and the travel and the time and those kind of stuff. So just trying to get some, you know, some opportunity to get the fastest cars around and give them a way to uh, run close, close to each other on the number. It looks good for the fans. They're fast. They're beautiful. I mean, I don't know. What else can you want? Now, I love it because, you know, my affinity for top sportsman top dragster and um you know i think it's awesome that you're bringing those two classes into the fold you guys do a great job there's there's lots of fans at uh, these events and you make it fan friendly which is not always the case when you go to a bracket event or whatever it might be so that that's always right. kind of nice um and i think you know this is your first year for it so you know, those things take time to build a sure. following and all that stuff, but uh, you're going to yep. start with what? Well, eight car fields? Is that what you're going to do to start? We're gonna, yeah, we're going we're gonna to start with eight car fields. Uh, I can't wait to see, first, if they can be full, and second, what the bump starts becoming as these cars start showing up. Because you look at what cars are in this area. 
that could potentially come and run that could not necessarily have a place to run with us before, like some of the Oakley cars and the J.B. Strasweg and the Don mm-hmm. O'Neill and all those guys around here, man, that, that's, that's local, awesome cars that if we can start getting those guys in, the fields are just going to get better and better and, and just fantastic. Completely agree. So, you know, and and you were talking about fan-friendly and family-friendly. That was one of my very first things that I'm going, you know, what can we do to make uh, the wives and the kids want to come with their – or and maybe it's the husband. I'm not trying to sound like it's all guys that race, but the majority. um, And you know, and and I particularly know, how much easier it is to go to the racetrack – if your family goes along and they're actually excited to go. That's right. Um, if they're sitting at home and fussing because you went to the races, uh, it's not that fun to go to the races because you're going, oh, my wife's yeah. mad at me at home. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've tried to do some of those kind of things and make sure that we keep it clean and we, um, you know, invite them in and try to make it work. So I think we're, you know, we 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 grew so much uh, in twenty. 18, we started out with 41 cars at the first race total. And I'm going, oh, this is going to be a hard way to go. (laughs) And by the end of the year, we had 137. Um, Last year at our finals, we had 197 entries. We had over 100 series members for the year. Um, You know, I I just think that by adding the top sportsman and top dragster, and, you know, we didn't talk about, I, I left a class out, which is pro tree bracket. Um, you know, we're trying to give everybody that wants to race a place to race within our series and within our organization. Yeah. Now you guys do a good job of it. And it, just the fact that your car grounds are growing that rapidly says that people want to race with you. So, um, nicely done. And well, I can I think, verify that. I think that, I think the desire is there. I mean, people want, they want that kind of stuff to race. Um, you know, you want to go somewhere that you can be proud. There's nothing that makes me more proud than to see a car at another event that has my windshield banner on it. Yeah. I go, that's one of my guys. I know they're not my car, but that's what I refer to them as because I feel like, wow, you know, they, they felt good enough about us to leave the banner on there, leave the decal on there and talk about our series when they're at. I mean, that's, that's how we're going to grow is to treat the people that come the right way. And then they tell their buddy and they go, man, I went to this race last weekend and it was really fun. Yeah. And then next time, maybe there's another one comes, you know, so yeah, that's what you got to do. No, it's um, good. It's great stuff. Um, now, before I let you go, I got to ask you yep. this question. We've had a lot oh boy. of uh, just a lot of discussion this week on race, right? Just uh, all that stuff. You mm-hmm. are you are on record as saying there's four races. That's it. There's only yep. four races. Go ahead. Right. And and I've actually I actually I, I thought about that more after I sent that to you. So, you know, uh there, yeah, there's there's at least we'll say 3. You ready? I I've I've narrowed them down. All right. There's a human race. Yeah, yes. there's a human, human race. race. That's number one. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's uh, a drag race. Drag race. Yeah. Like it. Yep. And then and then there's an OSCA race. That's uh, the only bam. three kind of races. How bam. about that? Boom. OSCA. All right. <laughs> Nicely done. This, we love the shameless self-promotion. We love that. Hey, you know, I'm there, buddy. Yeah. OSCA, uh, outlawstreetcars.com. By the way, while I'm promoting, yeah, yep. outlawstreetcars.com. Uh, or OSCA on Facebook. You can find the rules for our classes on our Facebook page under the notes tab, or you can find them on outlawstreetcars.com. I love it. That, ladies and gentlemen, was the great Brent Carver from the OSCA, if you need them. All right, let's bring this thing back in. As we hit the stripe, let's take a peek in the other lane. There you go. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that's the show. That's the time to pull the shoots on episode number 45. There it is. There's the wind light and Gloria. I love it. I love it. Guys, girls, we ended up having a great week this week. We had, A, no roadster talk, so that's good. We got some scoreboard talk in. That is always good. That always works. And then a couple people specifically Brian Loans, Craig Sullivan, and Mark McDonald got nice this week. 
and wore their Fast Bracket Nation t-shirts for some photo ops. And I don't know what to tell you, but wearing your Fast Brackets Nation t-shirt will make you look better. It just does. You look better in it. So get at me if you want to hook up and uh, get some nice gear and make yourself look better. Um, hey, special thanks to our guests for coming on, Jimmy Sakovich and Brent Carver. They were both awesome. Please like and share the Facebook and Twitter pages. Make comments if you don't mind. I like the feedback. Guys, girls, stay safe out there. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. getting it on baby we're like i ask this every week i know are you ever gonna race uh i've got a car in production so to speak so this i will be really lucky if i get out at the end of this year this is a delorean it's not a delorean it's not uh i don't have uh what's his name doc working on it doc brown doc brown yeah doc brown it's it's essentially doc brown but uh yeah so we got doc brown in the background working on that i'm gonna be really lucky if we get it going at the end of this year um, but uh, for sure, first of next year. Because, man, those NASCAR guys, they fix those cars in like three minutes. What you got? What's your uh, problem? Yeah, I don't have a full crew to do that. And uh, and my crew, um, if I did, would be pissed at me for breaking as many parts as I do. And so they'd probably quit.